Radio. I'm your host, Super Vegan Brian, and I'm joined by David, the only other guy here. Yep, I am the only other one here, and uh, Brian is good with his finger puppetry. And if you want to see my finger puppetry... I don't know if could... people want to see your finger puppetry. <laughs> I didn't make the little thing about silencing phones, and my phone just rang. Ha! If you want to see my finger puppetry, you can go to patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio and go around video there for our $5 patrons. <laughs> you watch Brian be goofy. It's great. And you can see me rush to put D&D on my phone. You can see me flip him off repeatedly as he tries to make me laugh. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we are going to be talking about our third part on nerd culture we're going to be talking about the science of nerdery this is going to be full speculation mode neither of us i think both of us know a little bit more about some of the stuff than others but like the way we talked about this before the show was that if we say something like what's the science between how dragons can fly we're going to be guessing we're not going to know just We're because talk you about don't have ideas. an just because you don't have an omniscient presence in the future that feeds you direct information doesn't mean that I don't. So I know what I'm talking about. No, I'm kidding. He's right. We don't. Yeah. We're going to be speculating. <laughs> yeah, you know that. Well, I mean, both of us will know things more than others, and we'll get into that more. But first, but first, we're going to play everyone's favorite game. What's nerdy with you? Where we uh, talk about the nerdy things we've done over the past week. And because we're playing the duo edition, we aren't going to vote because that'd be dumb. There's only two of us. Yes. And this is basically we, we should call it like nerd dish or something when it's just two people, because it's just like. <laughs> I've done nerd this. I've dish. done this. What's your, what's your nerdy gossip of the week? I, 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 uh, well, welcome back to Hot Goss with uh, Welcome to Nerd Dish, where we where we uh give you the tea on the lo local nerd culture wow. in in portland oregon stretchers are still the trend what you know the ear stretcher things the gauges oh gotcha like they're, they're still here <laughs> they're never gonna go away it's it's like a portland thing now it's like they you know mm -hmm. they they installed ear stretchers and the reindeer on the on the on the neon billboard wow okay they didn't really do that oh i i i'm sure it's been brought up i mean i have no way of knowing so i had to take your word for it there <laughs> yeah yeah chew on that <laughs> David, what's been nerdy with you in the last few weeks? <laughs> well, um, my rating guild got our ahead of the curve. Uh, we killed heroic uh, Sarkarath in the new raid on WoW. Unfortunately, I was not with them when they did the kill. I had gone to bed, and they killed him in the pull after I went to bed. Did they give you stuff? Uh, that's not how it works. Oh. You have to actually be there when it dies. Oh. So, Unfortunately, I have to wait till next time we get the chance to clear it again to get my achievement. But Aww. so you went through all the raid and then just didn't get to do the boss. I had to go to bed and I logged off and they killed it the next pull. 
Like, sons of bitches. <laughs> I'm happy for them, and yay, and I'm glad they got it, and we progressed there. But I'm unfortunately didn't get to do it with. So, what kind of um, what kind of boss is it? Do you know? Do you know any of stuff? Like, does it have like a million ads or? Oh, it is a multi-phase fight. Uh, there are ads. They are important to kill when they come out at the time. It's there's a lot of different things going on with that fight. He's a big dragon guy. Cool. Yeah, it's a it's a complicated fight. It takes like ten minutes to do the fight. We're um uh, mine's similar. Um, uh, I have a group of a few people in Minecraft who are building a redstone shop. If you don't know, redstone is the technology stuff in Minecraft. It's basically um the best way to describe it to you is it's a mechanic in the game that lets you make circuits. Gotcha. So by redstone shop you're either making a shop out of the stuff or you're making a shop that sells the stuff we're selling all the components and got it okay it there so the server's been around for three years and nobody had there hasn't been a redstone shop on the server for a long time we are discovering why right now because it's a giant grind to make all those components it's yep. a, and i'm we originally we were, we had three people doing it and then two other people said they were going to open a redstone shop and then we said yeah but we were going to open a redstone <laughs> shop and they said yeah but we posted to discord in may and said we were going to do a redstone shop well how about we help you then and I said, well, we built the building already. What if we just merge and five people could be doing it? And I was originally thinking that would be too many. And now I'm not because we started making the components and it's crazy. Um, I, I have this. I have this long list of things and the crafting is complicated and some of the crafting is like stupid. Like it took me an hour to make these things called dispensers because you have a dropper, which is cobblestone, redstone, and a dispenser is the same thing, but you have a bow. Bows don't stack in your inventory. So your inventory fills up with bows. You make like seven of the things and then you have to get more bows to make more. I used macros. I would hope so. Yes, I came up with a little system and used keyboard macros. It's basically like a tool assist speed run. It's tool assist is what it is. It's not real. You're not using mods that change the game and make cheats. It's mm -hmm. more just they do the keystrokes for you. Gotcha. Yeah, but um, it, you're making macros basically. It's it still took me an hour. It I mean, it would have taken a lot longer without. Yeah, I can only imagine. It, it's probably going to be quicker the next time because I got like a like a routine now. But um, oh yeah, as soon as you know what you're doing, it instantly becomes faster. Well, the original idea was we were going to sell this stuff called ancient debris, which is like it's a hard to get thing. Okay. Um, the Minecraft people will know exactly what I'm talking about. I believe it. Um, the then the idea was, what if we do Redstone 2? And at the time, I just said, sure. If I had any clue, I would have said no. I would if I had any clue. But I mean, it was it was it was really fortunate that we merged because it was like they had a farm. We have a trading hall. We have slime farms. We have all this stuff because there's a trillion redstone components. Mm -hmm. Um, what's funny is I don't really do redstone in the game. I I've never been a big I I would love for it to click and for me to understand it a bit better, but I've never really understood circuitry what, and diagrams what, and circuit so stuff. What is the trading currency in this game? Diamonds in this in this particular server. I um okay yeah it it's just because it's a non renewable resource. Fair yeah th that's the only reason. So yeah neat yeah it's it's cool yeah. One of our patrons, Cheeseburger, is actually one of the people doing the shop. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Cheeseburger. Um, 
Yeah. Um, junior cheeseburger. Oh, there's a me. there's a senior cheeseburger out there somewhere. Nice. I mean, the uh, Wendy's has the junior cheeseburgers anyways, and they're they're better. <laughs> you heard it here. Um anything yes, else? the fat guy knows fast food. <laughs> anything else? Uh I've been trying to adjust to new work schedule. I uh, having to get up an hour earlier to get to work an hour earlier. It's nice getting off an hour earlier, but yeah, just tired. I'll get used to it. It just takes time. I'm I, I finally got my root canal. Um my mouth is a little sore, but I, I, I have to say the nerdy thing was trying to do things like set up a computer when my mouth hurts. Mm-hmm. Um the um but I have my I have my new I eventually I'll have this done. The so um yeah, so um, anybody who isn't a patron wouldn't know that we had some that um, what the reason for the delays last week were. So, yeah, I had dental work and I was just like, I'm not I can't edit. I can't. My computer's not set up. I'm not good. <laughs> yeah, he was completely down for the count. Yeah. Um, well, understandably, dental work is or dental pain is the worst. It's that way for uh, uh, evolutionary reasons. But <laughs> it's like, oh, his tooth hurts. Leave him and let him die. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing we can do. Uh, from my understanding, it has to do with the seriousness of the the potential injury or problems. Therefore, the pain is greater, so you pay more attention to it. Yeah, yeah. My my, I I can't eat if if I have these. You know, I, my my heart's gonna explode if I don't get this decay taken care of. So it's mm. gonna hurt. Fair. Um, and for me, um, we didn't play Pathfinder for a while because you know things pop up during the summer. Mm. Um. Oh, that's right. It's summertime. Yeah, we finished our we finished our part two of our GM's adventure, or our part one of our GM's adventure, and went into part two. It was oh, basically nice. like finishing the first book of an adventure path. Very cool. Oh, uh, I finished uh, the group I'm in. We finished book four of Ruins of Aslan, and the group that I GM they just finished book four of uh, Carrion Crown. Nice Carrion Crowns. Carrion Crown has always looked interesting to me. Oh, it's fun. It goes through all. They're in book five, which is uh, uh, the vampire empire arc so they're they're in ustalev gonna deal with the high court at the capital yeah it goes through all the different horror stuff right and it, yep. it ends with like Start, eldritch horror starts with swamp thing goes into werewolves into uh frankenstein's monster into uh underwater plant horror into uh into vampires and then yeah i believe book six is when you finally get into the eldritch stuff we had um wasn't there another like eldritch horror adventure that they did it wasn't just carrying crown did a little bit of it but there was another one right there was a whole like cthulhu adventure path yeah because we had order of the ember die on when they were yeah 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 um um uh, i can't think of the name but yeah there there's there is another one this was the more classic horror one that one is the purely lovecraftian on pathfinder news i i my rage of elements just shipped i should have it soon nice yeah that they're they're putting the kineticist in second edition very cool very cool yeah they already did the psychic so i mean oh that's the, the name of that game now. the glass cannon guy's been playing it forever um shit it's oh, gonna bug me now i have to hold look it up. on everybody you say it's gonna bug me now i have to look it up <laughs> we're we're doing a nerdy thing now yep as we look for the list of all the adventure paths oh.
You know, I haven't looked at the Adventure Pass in a while. I don't even think I knew how many had been out. Like, I'm seeing ones that I hadn't even heard of. I hadn't been following the news on all of them. Uh, uh, Strange Aeons. Strange Aeons. That was it. Yeah. That was it. It was going to bug me if I couldn't figure it out. I had to look it up. But I did. I'm glad I did. Glad that was yeah, a yeah. long time ago. It was. It was. So I have no plans of going through that one. I'm not the biggest fan of Cthulhu horror and body horror and stuff like that. I no. I'm, oh, I'm squeamish. Oh, there was a nerdy thing I did. I went and uh, on my my first day, uh, my my first dental recovery day before my um root canal when I when I was in a lot of pain and was on meds. Mm-hmm. I went and saw Indiana Jones and the mm. Isle of Destiny. Yay! Did you like it? Yeah. I yeah, did as well. It was, uh, it was great. And I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah. Um, you know, yet another movie where they killed off Shia LaBeouf. Yep. And I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to say anything more about it. We might talk about it more in our bonus episode, which you can have access to and listen to at the, if you join us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash radio. Yeah. I just wanted you, to piss Eric off. Yeah. The other, the other thing you can do on there is see our video. Like, like, like I mentioned earlier at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, um, well, what was the what were the non-spoiler things I talked about with people already? I um I thought that it was I agreed. So on our Discord, on our Patreon Discord, which you can get access to if you go anyway, on our Patreon Discord, um we were talking about it and um the general okay. sentiment was that it was a good send off for the series mm-hmm. um i mean i well, thought con- that too i consider mean, considering it's the fourth film of an epic franchise my I, opinion on my opinion on oh considering that it's the fourth film that's funny the fourth um, film of an epic franchise i mean it's a great way to send it off crystal skull my opinion on it was, what's this was that it wasn't good what, what's but this i didn't now? hate it i mean they nuked the fridge the the yeah it wasn't good but i didn't hate it but what's funny is is the fridge thing didn't bug me they nuked the fucking fridge bugged me was shia LaBeouf, tarzan monkeys that i would made me completely disconnect from the movie i honestly don't remember that in it because i stopped caring a long time before any of that shit happened the fridge thing felt like the life raft in raiders to or in um Temple of Doom to me. The fridge thing felt like that. I didn't mind Indy doing something impossible. I really didn't. You make a me. fair point. I'll give yeah. you that. You make a fair point. I'll yeah. Give you that. That I, yeah. But okay. I understand why people, they're like, they nuked a fridge in the movie. But that didn't bother me. The bad CG monkeys and the. Yeah, the monkeys were pretty atrocious. Yeah. And the um the army ants killing killing russians and oh god yeah the it it just felt very that was one of my favorite things about the new movies the bad guys are the nazis again yeah yes <laughs> well i didn't mind the bad guys being thuggies in the prequel fair but the bad guys are nazis again indiana jones yeah. should be fighting nazis that's what he does <laughs> i mean i do i i have heard that um temple of doom has like the worst reputation for cultural misinformation but i think even though it was a long time ago and lucas and spielberg were you know not very culturally sensitive i think they did at least try to make it as generic as possible 
Yeah, they did. Yeah. They went out of their way to not give actual location names and stuff. Yeah. But, um, but actually, yeah. The, um, what was funny is I was watching a thing on Temple of Doom not that long ago because, um, New Rockstars has a new channel on YouTube called The Deep Dive where they do their deep dives on classic movies rather than just new ones. Hmm. Okay. And they were doing um, Temple of Doom, and they were talking about how Spielberg had just gone through his divorce, and it was a darker movie because of that, and how it yeah. was the first PG thirteen movie. Yeah. Um, but one of the one of the things about it that um, I thought was kind of interesting is how they decided to make it a prequel without saying anything. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't well, know that till years later. They were doing it in honor of the serial nature of the movies that that uh, inspired yeah. it. They don't necessarily have to follow a specific timeline. They just happen when they happen. Flash Gordon happened. You know, there was no rhyme or reason of when in his storyline stuff happened. Lucas said the reason for it being a prequel was if it was a sequel, they would have needed to use Nazis again in his mind, and yeah. they didn't want Nazis to be involved. Yeah, I um, but. Back it's to just Dial of in Destiny my opinion. Before... It's just my opinion. The weaker of the three. Yeah, but back to Dial of Destiny before we move on. Mm. It was the first one I saw, by the way, so it has a special thing in my heart. But um, fair Dial of Destiny. One thing I appreciated it is it honored the series without a tremendous amount of fan service. Mm -hmm. There was fan service, but it was very subtle. It wasn't just like they didn't mention they. They didn't blatantly mention everything that happened to Indy before. There was a little bit at one point, but it wasn't constant. It wasn't like yeah, constant it, it was, references. It was tastefully done. It yeah. wasn't thrown in your face the whole time. It was very well done. While there were characters from indie movies in it, it wasn't all of them. Yeah, I, I could have imagined it easily being all of them. I, I was expecting flashbacks with Sean Connery showing up, but I, I was <laughs> that was that was handled yeah. very well as well. Yeah, the the absences of characters was all explained away properly and there were no real holes left. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And if you haven't um, seen it yet, you should. I, I do have a I, I have a question about it. I'm going to ask you okay. before we move on topic. Um, I don't think this is a spoiler. Oh, well. If it is, if it is, I won't. If it is, I won't answer it. So the character Basil was that a new character or somebody who showed up before as a different actor? I don't remember. I don't think so. You know the 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 main girl's father. Yeah, I don't think so. no, no. He was a new character. See, I thought he might have been a recast. I'd have to I'd have to look at like the wiki or something, but I think he's a new character. Okay. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. He's he he appears to be new. Yeah, he was a new character. Okay, I mean, it, it's they mentioned that they're old coworkers, but as a long term, long time professor of very various universities, he'd have a lot of friends and colleagues. Yeah. Oh, there's there's whole articles about just that. I guess other people asked it too. Like, was that it. a new character or was that a recast? I don't. Yeah, I was like, I don't think because I know we've never seen before. Toby Jones before. No. So uh, yeah, that that's all I'll that's all I'll say. There, I I I yeah, that's all I'll say. We'll talk about it more in the bonus episode. And so, warning to patrons: there there will be spoilers there probably. Um. So yeah, yeah. That I I think that's it. Yeah, I've been watching um Star Trek: Strange New Worlds. Oh, nice. How's it? It's good. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. Um. It honors the original series really well. I know you're more of a TNG fan, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the original series. I just, I was never ne- nearly as big of a fan for it as I was as next gen. I grew up in next gen. Yeah. If you like, if you've seen lower decks, I understand there's going to be a crossover this season. Neat. I, I like lower. I like lower decks. Lower decks yeah. Is good. They're doing a live action crossover. That's awesome. The two main characters from Lower Decks are going to cross over on two. Yeah, so that that should be cool. I, there, there's already images online of what they're going to look like. It was in the main trailers. The blue hair is the purple hair. The purple hair is going to be live action. Um, there's another show I've been watching too. Um, the Secret Invasion. Interesting. If you've lost interest in Marvel, I have. But if you liked Winter Soldier, you'd probably like it. It's very spycraft. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I I've enjoyed it. Um, and Winter Soldier was my favorite for a very long time before Guardians came out. Yeah, it doesn't feel very MCU-y. It feels more like a spy movie starring Samuel Jackson. Okay, okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. It sounds good. Yeah, I, I imagine it'll it'll probably get ruined by the end. Uh, they <laughs> usually they going. usually do. Yeah. Um so speaking of um segues, our topic today is the science of nerdery. Um yes. Our third part in talking about nerd culture. Um, so the reason why this came up is because in nerd culture, people talk about they try to explain the logic of everything in science fiction or role-playing games or fantasy or whatever. Um, there this is the re- this is the reason for countless arguments in tabletop role-playing games. <laughs> I have been part of the you're not allowed to drink a potion underwater because it's impossible argument and had a friend literally drink an entire beer underwater to prove that that was wrong. I mean, as long as you make a tight enough seal and it doesn't leak, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've always been a proponent of letting people prepare them as underwater use, which makes them into more like a jelly. I, I remember it was funny. It was in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. There was no rule for not being allowed to drink potions underwater. And then mm-hmm. they introduced an item that let you drink potions underwater, but there never was a rule saying that you, you couldn't. couldn't. So it was a useless <laughs> item. I love it. That's funny. Yeah. The um one that somebody proved me wrong on that I didn't um I didn't let them anyway. I was just being a jerk on purpose. <laughs> um I think I've told you about this before. I think you even know the person that I um did this to because it was at a convention. And I um I I had said the one ambiguous rule that I always rule on and I'm unpopular for it is I don't allow people to load their crossbows and stow them. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that argument. That was and good. people would be like, "There's no rule," and I said, "I don't care." Having owned a crossbow, I agree with you. <laughs> and what's funny is when I run a home game, I usually allow it because I don't do the consistency trickery stuff in home games. I don't, yeah, you know, I because I tend to run for more beginners. I tend to people who don't want to run gritty strict games. But at cons, I was so freaking strict about that, and oh, I yeah. was the GM who wasn't strict about most things. No, but sometimes I, you gotta stick out your guns on. I mean, but I had this jerk almost walk away from my table because I wouldn't let him keep his freaking crossbows loaded. And I said, go ahead. I don't care. I'm not changing my mind. (laughs) This is the hill I'm going to die on. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, but but um, when I when I made that rule, I didn't really do it because of any logic. Mm. Is it is is it's bait? You is it bad 
to do that like in real life in science like in you don't want to you don't want to keep tension on the uh on the arms that long they'll just asking for them to fail a lot faster than they would normally well that makes sense you're putting way undue stress on the on the parts that that actually get tension and cause the bow to work well that makes sense i always just thought it's also a safety thing. There's no like there's no the the trigger is the release of the pressure on the arrow. That goes for any reason. That's going straight. Yeah. And I, I kind of thought like, where are you stowing it? Like it's gonna be moving around a lot. I mean, these things aren't built in factories they're made by hands so yeah and, and so yeah it was the hill i i decided i would die on and it was just such a dumb thing to argue because <laughs> so many gms didn't give a shit if you kept your yeah crossbow. yeah because but i i thought i i think in my mind i thought it was like it gives the the people with guns like another reason yeah it's all but the thing is is when you get to high enough level in most in a lot of classes that use effectively use crossbows you can load them as free actions anyway so <laughs> yeah it, it was such a dumb thing to it it really didn't matter at all it it wasn't a balance thing it was just one of those things that it was like nope can't have crossbows loaded and stowed i don't care well why because i said so i never really had like a reason i, I get it <laughs> and you've played with me before yeah. so it seems weird that i would have such an issue over weird <laughs> role but it was the one thing it was like my one thing i decided to just be strict about but the um there I think there's entire YouTube channels that are devoted to like this is a rule in D and D that says you can't do this. We're gonna do it in real life to prove that it's possible. Yeah, that's fine. But you know, just because it's possible in real life, again, it's a fantasy setting, and the GM is absolute. So, <laughs> so uh, okay, if we're on the topic of TTRPGs, I'll I'll give you the floor on coming up with another one to talk about but i I do like to mention that fireball do you know what i'm going to talk about uh no in modern tabletop role-playing games Mm -hmm. if you cast fireball it explodes in a 20-foot radius yeah what did it do with the older versions it expanded to fill around corners oh yeah it yeah it had it had like the whole thermo like if you cast fireball with a pit below it would take the extra volume and go past 20 feet yeah it would fill the pit they changed it for obvious reasons yeah. because people got in too many arguments over the math and it's a whole lot easier to say that it ends 20 feet from its source. What's funny is in the Dresden files, when Harry Dresden played D&D, he brought up this argument. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it was a short story. Have you never read that one? No, I don't think I have. Yeah, Harry Dresden. Hmm. Um, he was playing a barbarian in the game, or a fighter, or something like that. I've heard the story. And yeah, I haven't actually the, read it, but I've heard the, the story. One of the other characters was playing a wizard and cast fireball, and he started complaining about how it fireballs don't work like that, and and they immediately all like call. You're not allowed to argue about real magic logic at the table. We're playing a game, <laughs> right? So what other what other sci-fi fantasy things are worth discussing? about the science behind i mean there's a lot of things i mean the the science fiction stuff in general i mean there's entire forums about the science behind star trek there's entire forums about the science behind star uh, star wars and how it works uh i mean it's every every little fandom in its world has its own set of you know rules the way things work and a lot of them are all rooted in the same basic rules but you know all the technology is different everything works differently and just depends on where you're at star wars is considered softer science fiction versus something like star trek which is like hard science fiction 
Yeah. Would you consider, and, and I don't even think Star Trek is considered rock hard science fiction because there's science in there that doesn't exist where there's like really hard science fiction, like the expanse or project Hail Mary where, or the Martian where it's like everything can be explained by either science or a theory behind it. There's yeah. nothing made up, but as far as like star Wars, cause we talked about this before you said that you actually know a lot about a lot of the science. I do. I do. Yeah. Well, they, they explain a lot of it in, in, in the books and I've read a lot of the books. So <laughs> is, so as far as the force, are there any scientific explanations? Uh, well, yes, and it's terrible, and I hate that one, but, you know. That sounds like something we have to talk about then, for sure. Because if you're angry about it, it's good content. Really? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, yes, according to current Star Wars canon, the Force is a the result of a symbiotic relationship oh, the, between the a microscopic thing? life form that living in the blood of oh. all human beings. See, I thought you were just focus on, I, I, I'm okay with saying midichlorians are dumb. Um, I thought you were going to say there was a reason before they introduced midichlorians. Like, did they ever no. try to scientifically explain it in the expanded universe at all? No, it is a mystical force. It binds the universe together. I Okay, so what's a way to rationalize midichlorians as not annoying? I think midichlorians could probably be less infuriating if they're a life form that um, is nourished by the force and they're higher in somebody who is strong with the force not because of the midichlorians but the midichlorians are there because of the force like they're some kind of microbe that feeds off that energy or something like that and then I like anything described by qui-gon could just be that's what he thought you know like because he you know there could just well, be like i've heard lots of that's one just of, what qui-gon believed and he was a bit of a loony one of the main i mean that would be an interesting theory but um some creatures in the star wars universe actually use the force to hunt and there are creatures in the star wars universe that have adapted to blot the force from spheres around them and it's you know, if it's something microbial in in you know the the blood of humanoids, it that that it wouldn't make sense. And yeah, that the midichlorians aren't made. The midichlorians don't make the force. They're made. They're they're attracted to it, or they're made by it. Yeah. I think that's more likely. I think that's more likely. And you know, Phantom Menace is a prequel, and Qui Gon just was wrong. He he had a bad professor in the Jedi, or he <laughs> or he was making up new theories because he was a bit of a rebel. Who knows? I don't know. I am, I, I, I have don't... to say, unreliable narrator is a good thing to go to when a movie does something stupid. This is true, and yeah, I think that I, that's a really really good way of putting it. I just it's <sighs> yeah. So it's it's a bone of contention. Not a fan of that particular story arc, as anyone who listened to this can tell. But uh, yes, in the later Star Wars expanded universe books, there are creatures that grow on planets that literally have pockets of air around them where there is no the force does not exist. They can't be sensed. They can't be. You don't. They're just not there. Are um are kyber crystals technological or are they mystical? That's actually an invention of the later movies. The original series they weren't called kyber crystals. They were they were just called uh, 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 force crystals. Oh, but uh, yeah. So that would be a form of technology. It's the 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 crystal itself was the focus for the energy. That's what and the the, the color the the crystal was grown in was what gave the 
blade its color and the crystals were specially formed in caves on certain planets that had fonts of light of lightness in the of light side of the force and they were the oh shit term here they were the culmination of pockets of light side of the force the sith used used synthetic crystals because they didn't want to have to go farm them which made their all their blades red which is why all the bad guy lightsabers are red because their crystals are synthetic and i i don't like the whole kyber crystal thing it did make it more complicated but it also changed the um death star into a giant lightsaber which is dumb <laughs> well yeah well kind of, actually well kind of because uh there's a uh expanded universe book called dark saber where the huts got a hold of the plans for the super weapon from the death star and decided to try and make a cylindrical ship that was just the super weapon and they called it the death saber it didn't work well it didn't work out for them <laughs> flying super weapon operated by giant space slugs Yep. In Star Be, Wars. All being built by the lowest bidder. Built by the lowest bidder, of course. Yep. Is there a history in Star Wars for bad hut things based on lowest bidder? Is that like a thing? Uh yeah, the huts uh the it is often said in in uh, the hut trade halls that a hut's biggest enemy is his is his own cheapness. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever finish Mandalorian, by the way? I, I did. What did you think of the... Oh, no, that was Boba Fett. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, okay. I, I haven't seen all that yet. Yeah, there was Hut stuff in Boba Fett. Yeah, I heard. And there was in the Bounty Hunter book series, which was a three book trilogy that focused on uh, Bob, the, the the comings and goings of Boba Fett and the, the his running of both the Bounty Hunters Guild and going back to Mandalore and taking over. <laughs> I do like that the newer books seem to honor the expanded universe. They're not emulating it, but they're definitely giving a little bit more to them. Yes, absolutely. Which is more to say than any of the other... Yeah. They're also pulling a lot of stuff from the comic books and Rebels mm -hmm. and, and Clone Wars. Yeah, the actual good series. Uh, the problem now is all that's going to go pretty much on permanent hiatus as we uh, wait for the current uh, writer strike and now actor strike to, uh, yep. to and, um, work out. So. L.A. Hospitality Union strike. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that was what surprised me, that they joined it too. Good for them. Good for them. Um, but you know that leaves room for podcast content because we're not we're not in a union and we're not we're not paid by an organization and we don't have employees so we can just talk about whatever we want. Perfect. We don't write anything, so it works. No, no, we do not. We are completely unscripted people. Yeah, or researched at all for this topic. <laughs> I don't know. I the consider whole, my the whole five partner culture series was supposed to be unresearched. I wanted it to be a little bit more organic. I have to say that has made it rougher because normally <laughs> I do a lot of research. See the see the thing is is you do the research and by contrast I don't. So <laughs> I go into all these raw. Um, yeah, Star Wars technology is always fun to talk about. There's so much stuff that is. In the science of the universe that it's from, it makes sense. It doesn't quite transfer to modern physics because, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> well, let me ask you a specific question about Star Wars technology then, because I want to know about... Um... Sure. What do they do to make it so there's no G-force inside the ship when they're going really fast? It is a form of technology called an internal compensator. Okay. It's they similar project, to the inertial they dampeners in Star yeah, Trek. Yeah, they, they are a device that projects a small 
a sphere of gravity at a certain right they're basically portable gravity generators and the empire decided that that was a really cool idea and said hey we're going to make ships that do that and they made the interdictor cruiser which was a smaller star destroyer that had these four big gravity well projectors on it that would project a gravity sphere roughly the size of a planet in hyperspace to stop hyperspace travel in the vicinity neat yeah neat now disclaimer for listeners that might be younger than us a lot of this predates new this was before this was before the expanded universe became legacy so this is all what do they call it they call it legacy they call it something else don't they i don't know don't they call it legacy Wouldn't this is all this legacy content which we used to call the expanded universe all this most of this stuff was written in the early 2000s and in the 90s <laughs> yeah some of it earlier and some but not much yeah most of the earlier work was considered non-canon even before uh what kind of blew up with era the empire was the big the one that made it really popular and that's why there were a lot more after yeah because i think that was the big one that made the publishing companies just start spewing out books Air the Empire was a big one. Another big one was I Jedi. That was another big one that started out. Uh, and then the Thrawn trilogy came out after that. And then they started actually interconnecting everything. And and Dark that's... Horse Comics had a lot to do with that too. Yeah. Yes, they did. Yeah. We had to represent Dark Horse Comics, which is in the same state as me. Um, the I, I believe Image Comics is here too. Um, it's easy to it's easy to talk about the science behind science fiction when you're talking about harder sci-fi. Um, I think because a lot of the Star Wars science is realistic. It's easier to tell. I mean, there are things like the jetpacks, which are possible, but not in the way they are on the in the movies. I well, there's I don't know. I think that this move they're making towards the only canon that is acceptable is the movie canon is I don't know, it's driving away a lot of the fan base, but they're they're they trying re, to they're they trying re, to go for a different fan base nowadays anyway. So they recanonized Thrawn though. They recanonized a lot of stuff. Yeah. Because but... there was a new Thrawn book that came out written by the same guy who wrote Air to the Empire. Yeah. I am excited about Ahsoka. I'm I, I'm I'm excited to see Thrawn. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be interesting. I don't know. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical. We'll see. So I made a sample question in our outline and I might as well bring it up because sure. I'm sure it's going to be like, could we even talk about this? Hmm. Can a dragon fly in real life? I'm gonna answer it first before you. Go ahead. No. Yeah, I was gonna agree. No, the wing the wing to weight ratio is not high enough. There's freaking magic involved. There has to be because it's like the dragons don't have hollow bones. I don't care if you think they do. They don't. Or if they do, they're a lot easier to kill. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> the. Yeah, dra- there's magic. I mean, in a world with magic, dragons can fly, but they're, yeah, they they have freaking nuclear reactors inside them. Yeah, I mean, even the Game of Thrones dragons were unrealistic. They'd have to be even bigger than that, and the wingspan on them would just be insane. I think, um, what was it, Terry Pratchett did with dragons was basically, they were based on belief that if you believed in dragons, they were real, but if you didn't, they weren't, and you had to focus on belief to even see them. Interesting. Yeah, and there's a part where the magic kind of goes screwy when the main character's flying a dragon in Color of Magic, and it changes into a passenger jet. Oh, Jesus. Interesting. Yeah. And there's like a whole 
yeah, there there's some really crazy meta stuff in color in in any Terry Pratchett book in the Discworld yeah. series. I mean, that being said, they they would be able to glide, but they'd have to jump off something to be able to get the. They'd be able to glide down and you know float, but they wouldn't be able to actually fly. You saw the D and D movie, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a Chung- dragon. That there's no way Chungus is gonna fly. Nope. I don't know his actual name. I just call him Chungus. No, I can't remember the dragon. It's a real dragon in Forgotten I Realms. I know it is. I just I don't remember his it's, name. So I, I call him. It's Chungus. in the Underdark. They. I don't know if they put him in the right place, but he's in a Dwergar area in a big, mm. like an ancient Dwergar city. Mm. Duelgar, Dwergar. I just call him Chungus. Yeah, big fat dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't care. It was a good choice. I liked the fat dragon. It was a good choice. Well, I mean, you, we touched on this already. It's something of the fantasy world. How does magic work in D anD? Um, I had a GM when I first started D anD. D who would like have that magic could work because you were accessing another dimension called the weave that was created by a god, and the science of it was basically you were you were memorizing incantations which connected you to the weave that let you pull from that power. Interesting. But I think that was a combination of Forgotten Realms lore and other role-playing game lore. Um, and that was what I knew for Magic and D&D. But like, if you read a lot of Forgotten Realms novels back then, there was a lot of stuff about the Weave. But a lot of that has been not gotten rid of or retconned out, just changed by the amount of cataclysms that have happened in that world in because every time a new edition of Dungeons & Dragons come out, they have done novels with giant cataclysms to explain why the system is different. Why everything's changed. Than, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it can't be Faerun unless society ends every, you know, yeah. couple of generations. <laughs> the... um. I think the big one between second edition when um a first edition and second edition was all the gods were sent to Faerun and walked the earth and many gods uh, walked the planet and many gods were killed. I think and, that's right. It's been a while. Oh yeah, I the Avatar series is great. It's Troy Denning. Good series. Good series of books. But um many ed- the big thing of it was the adventuring party all become gods. Right. And then there's some follow-up novels that there is one called the trial of Sirik the mad which is just great it's just so good mm, okay um but there's lots of neat things like how um the when a human becomes the goddess of magic she starts taking magic away from um anyone who's evil and there's a scene in that book where the god of war is has come down to toril and he's literally helping to heal both sides because they don't have magic to help them. Wow. Yeah. And he's like, you really have to not think of terms in good and evil because you're screwing everything up. <laughs> Interesting. Because the the way the magic is explained in 5th edition is rather basic and they don't really explain much. Alchemy works because you pour alchemical magic into it while you're mixing stuff together and certain herbs always do certain things based on their magical quantity qualities it's just ingrained in the way life is now now i remember in pathfinder first edition alchemy was a form of magic yes but in second edition now it's they're non-magical items Mm-hmm. And the 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 reason why they do explain that the reason why alchemists can 
make a whole bunch of stuff every day is because they're using their own essence. And I imagine that they're like, they're putting a little of their blood and everything they make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's all, it's all non-magical now. So you have non-magical characters that can do cool stuff. I, I do like that. There are more non-magical characters that can do cool stuff in Pathfinder yeah. second edition. Fair. Alchemist was always a fun class. Yeah. the I do have to say the power gamer part of first edition is gone in second edition Mm. and i miss it sometimes but i get why it's a more balanced game um alchemists awesome in first edition Mm -hmm. they're just as good as anybody else in second it the only thing i don't like is it's really freaking hard to hit things with bombs sometimes and you have to be an advanced player and really think outside of the box to just mm-hmm. not feel useless all the time yeah when you're playing an alchemist in second edition because sometimes it's just you just can't hit anybody but the outside of the box thinking is in first edition alchemists made shit for themselves unless they got a, f- a class ability that let them make it for other people in second yeah. edition the strength of an alchemist is they can just hand their stuff out mm-hmm. and being able to give your fighter firebombs is a very cool ability it is the problem is rpg players are usually pretty selfish and they won't use shit you give them <laughs> and it depends it, on the party but yeah you yeah the it they have built pathfinder second edition around you have to have the tactics of an experienced group you can't it, it's not a beginner's game it i i i've been saying that over and over again it's it's not a beginner's game by the like it hasn't been written out of the box as a beginner's game so people who run that game really need to know that <laughs> and you have to make some adjustments to make it easier for beginners it there's a lot of yeah. third there's a lot of third action optimization you have to remember to yeah. keep doing there's also there's the only way to power game second edition is teamwork and tactics mm-hmm. and beginners don't know that stuff and you really you know jamming you you can't hold yeah. them accountable for it and that's it, why a lot of the pre-written adventures for that game system have gotten a reputation for being um too hard they're not if everyone is experienced and everyone knows what they're doing otherwise the person running that game really has to make adjustments because it yeah they're too hard yeah. they're like challenge well, maps <laughs> so like the glass cannon guys actually got the guy at paizo that wrote strange aeons to translate it to second edition for them so they could oh, play neat. it in second edition neat so they're playing it they're playing it currently in their life they were doing it on their main podcast for a while but they decided to go back to only doing it during live shows because they're going to start a new show on their main feed so so what are what are some scientific things of nerdery that we can't explain with science because if we did it would just ruin the whole thing say that again well like what are some things that if you try to explain them scientifically they lose their they lose their specialness because there's no real reason to do that like i follow the comic book rule if it's magic you don't have to explain it yeah (laughs) it's sort of like um it's magic don't uh, have to cosmic cosmic horror is based on the idea that it's unexplained and it's Mm -hmm. scary because you can't fathom it or explain it and if you explain that it not becomes not scary anymore yeah there's a in pathfinder in the game i was playing one of the creatures is a uh uh a light from beyond and it it it's constantly changing colors the colors you've never even seen before that one that one you don't know what it's called but your brain tells you flirple but you've never actually seen it before (laughs) the color out of space 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. the color out of space. Yeah. Yeah, that's pulled directly from a Lovecraft story. Yep. <laughs> I have to say, with the media we have now, it's really hard to have monsters that just can't be fathomed. I liked how the movie In the Mountain of Madness, uh, not mm. in Into the Mouth of Madness explained it, where it would flash to just a few frames of something blurry, mm-hmm. but you could make out something absolutely horrifying in that blurriness. Yeah. And they, it might be like eight frames of blurry with like one or two frames of a very graphic looking monster. Mm-hmm. And your brain would go, what did I just see? And you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I get it. If you, it, I, It's too bad you don't like horror. But yeah. I, I will say that In the Mouth of Menace is a very good movie. I believe you. It, But there are some really brain fuck scary things in it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. I've heard of it before. I've had it. I've had it told to me before it, it, as far as lovecraft stuff it's like the the best example of lovecraft in a movie i think reanimator would probably be the worst but it's a good movie <laughs> yeah um yeah no i i i think of things like what magic system in a book or movie would you consider like the book explains all the system like creates its own science for it in the best way i mean the dresden files magic system is interesting i I had a feeling that's what you would say yeah well i'm trying to think of other one i mean there's an interesting magic system in uh in uh melissa f olsen's uh scarlet bernard series yeah uh she has an interesting magic series but there's all you know it's 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 not just magic it's starting there's there's vampires there's werewolves there's witches there's it's an entire universe that they have their own system for it's interesting anything brandon sanderson does pops into my head because every one of his because he has this thing called the cosmere series Mm -hmm. and every world in the cosmere has their own magic system but they're all connected to the same magic system and it's explained very intricately it has to do with like shards of the gods being taken to different worlds and it manifests in different way but there's like the mistborn series has its own magic and the stormborn series has its own magic but they're all um stormlight stormlight Mm -hmm. archives um they have their own magic they're different but they're connected in the same magic system. And that's pretty intricate. And it's very well explained in all the series. Interesting. I also like how um, Mistborn is written in a few different eras. The plan is to have it go fantasy, steampunk, modern future. Right now, the only books out are the fantasy and the steampunk ones. The steampunk ones actually deepen the magic system based on the scientific knowledge of the people in the story. Like they're, yeah, okay. like they, they, they have trains that run on that magic system and stuff like yeah. that. Or, I mean, then there's the magic systems that aren't explained at all, like Tolkien's magic system. And you could consider some of those the best because magic is still magical. It's not. Yeah, exactly. Like, 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 like Tolkien's magic. It's, you see very real uses of it several times and none of it is ever explained as to how or why. <laughs> I I think it's sort of like, um, I think with Tolkien, I think it's sort of like miracles and biblical magic type of things. Cause that's yeah. what his background is because uh, a lot of his a lot of his um imagery in middle earth is a mythological and biblical influence fair I and mean, considering his friendship with c.s lewis it doesn't surprise me at all it's just tolkien handled it a lot less heavy-handed than c.s lewis did where c.s lewis there 
Jesus was a lion. It's a direct allegory. Yeah, where where in um in Middle Earth it's there's evil and good and the way evil influences people is very biblical but it's never said it's not obvious i read some great books about that i i I had a recommendation for a book called the battle of middle earth which talks a lot about the influence of um the the different influences in lord of the rings and it's a page by page analysis interesting very good yeah it's page by page analysis wow oh i'm gonna have to read that oh i finished dune oh really finally well i I, it's been a while since i've read uh i read dune so i finished rereading dune i watched the new movie for the first time just recently oh the second part's coming out in november yeah that's why yeah uh, the the new movie's good i really liked it what was funny is i'd never seen the 80s one and heather had oh (laughs) um, we were about really you've never seen patrick stewart get the now oh wow the way into dune Mm-hmm. And Heather goes, wait a second, that's a giant worm. Is this that same movie from the 80s remake? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I've never seen it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was introduced to Dune the first time, the sci-fi miniseries. That was actually very good, but it was like six hours long. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I liked it. I, you know, I, but I can't compare it to the books. I thought it was good, but I, I don't know how accurate it is. I don't know anything. They get a lot right. I mean, they've compressed a lot of it, but it's it's very good. Very, very good. I mean, very well done. I know I'm one of those people who reads and watches, so I know a lot about the Dune thing. Like, I know that the reason why they have all these, like, psychics and shit is because they... They outlaw computers. And they don't just outlaw computers. They fight an entire war to destroy them. They created AI, and then AI started to take over, so they fought an entire war to destroy it. And then and- they wrote into their into their constitutions and their, their imperial decrees that it is illegal. It, it is now illegal to make a computer. In, do, any in- new, do, do any new AIs show up in the later books? I don't know. I've, I, I've only ever read Dune. I haven't read any of the sequels, so I'm going to start looking into it. It might now. just be... It might just- just be one of those things. I know that... the Bene Gesserit have broken the law and have computers because they're Bene Gesserit and don't give a shit, and they use them for record keeping for their breeding program. But uh, other than that, no one else uses computers. The Mentats are the closest thing, and they are bred specifically for their mental acumen so that they can be living computers. Yeah, my my Dune knowledge has been a few videos like explaining the Dune series for someone who hasn't read the book so they can understand the movie a little bit better. I did that Mm. because I didn't want to see the movie because I Mm. knew it was complicated and knew I would have trouble following things. So I wanted to have at least a little bit of a... Yeah. Yeah, the... But well, um, and Erica's a big fan. Yeah, she's read him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of these days, maybe that'll be a thing to do. I I do um I like it when a show has psychics, and I, the one thing about Dune is their psychics aren't just mystical. They're they have like scientific explanations, and they're using they're using yep. space time. They're looking into space and time using a a substance to do that. Yep, using a liquor made from the melange spice. Um, there. I have a question about Dune, though. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, Paul's father can't remember his name. Uh, Leto. 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 Yeah. Asks how much it would cost for them to come to the planet. Mm-hmm. And the one guy's eyes roll back at his head, and he does the math. What's up with he, that? He's a mentat. What's a mentat? 
He's a living computer. Okay. He's been bred for his mental acumen and trained since birth to be able to recall precise calculations like that quickly. And he has a mental he has a mental retention rate of damn near one hundred percent. Do they use the spice for that, or is that all? Just no, breeding? that's just no? bre- that's just breeding and training. Okay, he's uh, they're uh, selected one in five thousand possible births is selected for the training. So, all right, I got a question for you because yeah. we're gonna be we're gonna be going on to bonus episode soon and this is a good one when talking about this so mm. we've talked about we've talked about the science between all these properties what is the scientific likeliness of hyper-intelligent base space bears launching a rebellion of, to create a space program to save the world from a water shortage not great <laughs> i was really hoping you would say what do you know it's happening now you didn't know well i mean <laughs> look i'm not supposed to say we're not going to explain this nonsense at all listen to the back episodes if you want to know about hyper intelligent space bears and the water crisis and the water crisis yep. yeah it's it's terrible it i have to say the people who came up with it you know they're they're geniuses they they know what they're talking about there there are scientific principles behind everything single thing and- this is like Simpsons level precognition here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, there, there, there's a growing water crisis, and there, there just happens to be science creating hyper intelligent animals. So, uh, you know, make sure you uh, keep those lids on your trash cans and uh, hang your food from trees. Yeah, because they're smarter than the average bear. <laughs> oh, good God! So. Uh, I think one of my hold on I, I, real quick. I think one of my favorite lines I've ever read that has to do with bears is a park ranger saying that there is some overlap between the dumbest American and the smartest bear as far as being able to actually use trash cans. So That's they have funny. to design they have to design them in a way that they can still be opened by the dumbest Americans, which means That's the smartest funny. bears can figure them out most of the time. That's funny. I I I'm gonna tell a story I've told before because I know someone will hear it that'll appreciate it. But I had a friend on play we were talking about D&D and they were they were getting ready to GM and they said I've had something happen in games that I don't know how to deal with when a player cast speak with animals I never know what to say because if I come up with an encounter where a bear shows up in the middle of camp and a druid says I cast speak with animals the only thing I'm going to be able to think of is I'm a bear and I said you were thinking way the wrong way because there was only one thing a bear will say in a campsite when the druid cast speak with animals and he goes what he goes he goes what and i said put out your damn fire (laughs) (laughs) oh that's right okay i've heard this before that's uh, that's good because (laughs) yeah your damn fire (laughs) now this came up a while back because um stolas really likes this story because we were playing a game where someone cast speak with animals and i had the warhorse just say i'm a warhorse over and over again and it was based on the i'm a bear <laughs> i think it's really funny for the 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 horse to go what do i know i'm a warhorse anyway that's that's you know, for a future episode where we talk about impo- impossible yeah. scientific things, it's the whole talking to animals thing, which we're, you know, scientists have been actively working on for a long time. Well, there are Uh-oh. there are apes that can communicate with sign language. I mean, yeah, everything, everything okay? No, I, I bumped something, which means uh, that 
I'm now an intruder in the house and the dogs start barking. Gotcha. Um, so that's it for this episode. If you want to hear more, we're going to talk more. We're going to spoil Indiana Jones in the bonus episode. If you want to hear more, you can go to patreon.com slash radio. Sign up to be a patron. Um, $3 and $5 patrons have access to bonus episodes. Um, and um, we'll be there. So um, this has been Super Vegan Brian. I'm joined by David the... About the third. Bye, guys. Stay nerdy. Stay informed. And stay awesome. Stay awesome.